Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Grab hands with the person next to you. If they're cute, grab both hands. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you now, and we thank you sincerely for those that have given their life in the cause of freedom. We thank you, Lord God, and we do not forget this Memorial Day weekend that our freedom was paid for with the highest of prices. We thank you, Lord God, for every family, and we ask in Jesus' name that those who have lost a loved one, a friend, those who have lost a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would let them know that an entire country, a nation of people, is indebted to them, love them very much, and are lifting them up to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Give God one more big hand of praise. You can be seated. If you're watching online, I just want to say thank you for doing so. It means the world to us that you would do that. Many people watch our services uh, live as well as the replay throughout the week. But I do want to extend an invitation to you. If you're ever in College Station, Texas, come out to a New Heights Church service live. I promise you, me and everybody here will make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. All right, look at your neighbor and say Gold Rush. I'm going to wrap up a series today I called Gold Rush. I believe we're going to get something out of it. The reality is, is there's a massive gold rush available if we can look past what is on the surface and find the treasure. Matthew 13 and 44 is our foundational scripture. Matthew 13 and 44, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it and for the joy thereof, sold everything that he has and he went and bought the field. Somebody say the field. You cannot just buy the treasure. You have to buy the whole field. When Jesus purchased you with his own blood, he did not just buy your good parts. He bought the whole you. As a matter of fact, uh, you can't just go around picking out just the good parts of people in your life because the problem is before you know it, the dirt in their life will show up and now you've got a decision to make. Can you overlook the dirt for the sake of the treasure on the inside? The Bible says that uh, you had to buy, the man bought the whole field, the field's made of dirt. The Bible says you and I were formed out of the dust or the dirt of the earth. The Bible says God breathed on the inside of mankind. And all of a sudden, the treasure of heaven was placed on the inside of the dirt. It's placed on the inside of you and me. The question is, can you overlook the dirt for the sake of the treasure? At a gold mine, they'll move hundreds, if not thousands of dump trucks full of dirt. They'll do it for a week, a month, move it all out of the way, move a mountain worth of dirt, and then they'll have a dinner plate full of gold. And they'll rejoice about it. Way more dirt than there is gold, but the gold has more valuable, has more valuable than all the dirt. Did you know in your life, you'll never be able to access the treasure in somebody else unless you're willing to deal with the dirt. The first question I have when I read this scripture is, why would God hide a thing? The scripture says in, in Proverbs 25, the answer, it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, 
But it is the honor of kings to search it out. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search it out. The Bible says you and me are kings and priests unto God. That word glory and honor is the exact same word in the original language. So what it's actually saying is, for you to find the treasure means God knows you had to look for it. The stuff that's on the surface, anybody can see. The stuff that's on the surface, you can trip over. But if you find something is concealed, that means you had to pursue it. You had to press towards the mark. Have you ever seen your kid, the look on their face when you said to them, let's play hide and seek? That's because when they are hiding, they know you are looking for them. It is the fact that they are being pursued that brings them joy. The fact that you have to pursue the treasure. I don't want just what everybody can see on the surface. I want to know what's the treasure on the inside of you that everybody's missed so far. I want each one of us to get to the place. Sometimes, let me just say this, and and uh, I'll move on quickly so I don't just stomp on everybody's toes. Sometimes you have to upgrade your friends. Well, I don't know about that preacher. Oh, yeah. Sometimes there's some people that have too much dirt on you to ever see the treasure that's actually on the inside of you. That doesn't mean we're throwing them away. Doesn't mean we don't love them. It just means you might not spend every waking moment texting with them when the only thing you guys ever text about is how bad somebody else is and how wrong somebody else is and how frustrated you are and how all these issues in your life are, or everybody's against you. Nobody likes you and you ought to just go eat worms. If that's the context and the conversation, it might not be forever, but there might need to be a season where you separate a little bit from some people that instead of looking for the treasure on the inside of you are constantly reminding you of the dirt in your life. Sometimes you've got to step back in order to actually see the situation well enough to make a wise decision. So the scripture says it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's our honor to seek it out or to pursue it. And in the process of that, it is something very precious that can be unearthed. See, what's on the inside of you is precious. And if precious is laid revealed, then somebody else will either damage it, steal it or ruin it. You don't take what's precious to you and leave it on the front porch and then go to bed. What's precious to you, you protect. That's why we put on this facade of of what we call our life. That's why we all put on that happy face and we all put on that thing where, where we don't want anybody to see what's really on the inside of us because you might stomp on it. Is this on? Okay. We don't want everybody to see what's on the inside because we're scared what could actually happen to it. But there are some people in your life. There are some people that if you'll get in in relationship with them and there is one, his name is Jesus, who will never, ever stomp on the treasure that's on the inside of you. He's actually calling you to new levels. He's calling you to higher things. He's, he's encouraging you to move forward. But at the end of it, we've got to get to the point where we stop paying attention to the dirt because the treasure on the inside of the people around you is worth the pursuit. Can I just say this? Well, I'm going to say it either way. But anyway, <laughs> even the people you don't like. Can I say it differently? Especially the people you don't like. 
Sometimes the people you don't like and you can't figure out why you don't like them is because the enemy, he doesn't know at all, but he can see there might be something in the future there. That might be a relationship that's going to really spark something because the Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, two put 10,000 to flight. So if he can keep the body of Christ in discord, if he can keep us frustrated at one another, I don't know why they're sitting there. They know that's my chair. It's been my chair for three and a half years. I've been going to this church. I just will have my name monogrammed on the chair. Everybody knows that's my chair. I don't know why they're sitting in my chair. That person might be the one that's going to spark something that sets your family free in an area. Or you might be the person God's trying to use to help somebody else get set free. Well, how does that happen? You got to be a great separator. Oh, not people and people. You separate the dirt from the treasure by the washing of the water of the word. See, you go to a gold mine and they go and they dig up all the dirt and the dirt is mixed up with the treasure and the treasure is mixed up with the dirt. And the first step they do is they take it to what they call a wash plant and they just put water all over it. And the same dirt now all of a sudden begins to wash off the treasure. And then you have a whole bunch of stuff left over that's got treasure in it, but not near as much dirt called concentrate. And the concentrate's very interesting because what's left is heavy like gold. It's just not all gold. And to the layman, if you put it in a bag and you just held it up, it might even feel like a bag of gold. But it requires one more step in the process to determine that it whether or not it's actually valuable or not. It has to be refined. It has to be purified, if you will. And let me just say this. What happens is, is the, the, the sediment and the, and the particles that are heavy like gold, they get into that concentrate. And, and again, if you just had it in a bag, you wouldn't know it. In other words, if you just heard somebody talking the talk, you might not would recognize that it wasn't actually gold. It was just concentrate. It was just mixed up with enough gold. In other words, somebody said something that sounds holy, but the reality was they didn't say it because they loved the situation. They loved the person. They said it because they wanted the spotlight on them or they wanted somebody to focus on them or they wanted somebody to concentrate on what they are instead of concentrating on the Jesus on the inside of them. Have you ever been in that situation? Some of y'all are so, you're like, I've never been in that situation. I've never heard that. Oh my God, what is going on? It's called religion. And I don't mean that disrespectful to anybody who considers the word religion and religious. And in different contexts, it's a beautiful word and it applies perfectly. And it's a wonderful thing. But Jesus did not die for you so that you would have to follow these religious ideas more so than you would follow a relationship with the one who loves you. He changes each one of us. It's, 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 it can be concentrated. It sounds right. It even feels right a lot of times. But at the end of it all, this relationship opportunity only comes through the refining. Somebody say refining. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I'm going to read very quickly. And then we're going to close up because we're all going to go eat Chick-fil-A. Actually, no. 
we're not eating Chick-fil-A. They could hire atheists or something on Sunday. I told y'all I still had some dirt. <laughs> y'all gotta pray for me. Doesn't it just make sense though? Go get some Chick-fil-A after church. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter three. Jesus at the center of it all. All right. If you're with me, say amen. amen. 1 Corinthians 3 and 8. It's very important. He that plants and waters are one. When you invite somebody to church and they come to church and either me or somebody like me preaches the gospel and they give their life to Jesus, you and me are one. The person that plants and the person that waters are working together. We need everybody working together. Christ described his church as a body. You might be the left bicep. You might be the right earlobe or the pinky toe. But you are important in the body. And we, we need you. We need you. Every person has a different part and a different role to play. Every person has a different. We don't need everybody to be a coach. Matter of fact, being a coach is a little bit of a, of a daunting task. Because the scripture says, if you teach the word, you will be held double accountable. Compared to somebody who does not. It says, don't rush to teach. Don't rush to be a coach. We need, we need wide receivers. We need running backs. We need linebackers. And if you're seven foot two and 420 pounds, you are not a quarterback. You are an offensive lineman. And we need you in your position because if we put 175 pounds should be quarterback on the line, he's going to get, he or she's going to get run over. Everybody's got to be in their spot. And we have to realize we're all one. Remember what the scripture said in Philippians? He said that we're all partakers. Each one of us are partnered together from the parking team to the nursery team to the, to the children's church team. Matter of fact, this is kind of cool. Last Sunday, I think it was last Sunday, last Sunday, I was in Guatemala. Yeah, I was in Guatemala and um, I, I didn't know I was going to be ministering while I was down there, but I did. And so here I am preaching on a Sunday morning. And because of the time difference, that service was going on at the same time as our second service. And the, uh, uh, the power of God fell so strong in that service. Everybody was weeping. Uh, the altars were full. Lives were just being changed. And get this. I heard, uh, I called and I said, hey, how was, how was church? How was New Heights? Miss everybody, how was it? And they said, oh my goodness, Pastor, the 11 o'clock service in kids' church was amazing. Said the kids were weeping. Said many of them were laying on their face just crying. Service was over. Big church was over. And the kids were still in there crying. And some of them, I talked to some parents, they said, my kid didn't really come out of it for an hour after we left church. Said God was just doing something in their heart. At the exact same time that I'm pouring into orphans in Guatemala, God himself is pouring into the children at New Heights. What it is is this. What you make happen for others, 
God will make happen for you. Can you give God a hand of praise in the house? But we're all partners together. The person that waters, the person that plants, we're all, we're all the same. Uh, the scripture says everybody's going to receive a reward for what they do. Verse nine, we are laborers together with God. Somebody say with God. That's a beautiful scripture because one translation says we are co-laborers with God. He would never ask you to do something he hasn't already done. He's been tempted in every way. He's endured every hardship. Jesus was ridiculed way more than you've ever been ridiculed. And he endured it. So for us to endure some of the light afflictions, the scripture says, that comes with living a Christ-centered life, it is not an unreasonable opportunity because we are not just laborers for God. We are co-laborers with God. Literally, Jesus did everything that he's asking us to do. Then the scripture says, you are God's husbandry and you're God's building. Husbandry is an interesting word. We don't use it uh, very often, uh, but it literally means you're God's field. You remember the kingdom of, of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The reason you're his field is because he's not done with you yet. You're still growing. You're still reaching. Your roots are still going deeper. Things are changing. But any good farmer, any good horticulturalist knows that everything with regards to tending a field is not necessarily pleasant. No tree ever asks to be pruned. Yet it is in the pruning that God is setting you up. For a grander growth. It is in the pruning that he takes away some of the things in your life. And we're going to find out a little bit more about them in just a minute. But it's in the pruning that he begins to take some things that you used to think were important. Now they're not quite as important. And you realize, realize if you'll lay aside some of the weights that have been holding you back. He'll cause different things to happen that you never could have orchestrated on your own. You never ask to be pruned. But the great gardener knows exactly what to take away and what to add. You are his husbandry. You are his field. The Bible says you're his building. You're, 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 not, you're not finished yet. You're still his work. You're still, you're still his craftsmanship. He, the, the, the great uh, uh, architect of heaven is still working on you. His son, the great carpenter, is still pouring into you. The Bible says that literally the building block that was rejected became the cornerstone or the foundation for an entirely new world. And you, this building, you're being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And he's changing you and every person in your sphere of influence. But the reality is, is you're not finished yet. So you can't look at where you are today and get too frustrated because you're a lot further than you were 10 years ago. You're still a field. You're still a garden. You're still a different situation. And the gardener knows even what kind of nutrients you need. He needs what kind of fertilizer. He knows what kind of fertilizer you need at the right time. And I've done some gardening. Do you know what fertilizer is usually made of? I just feel like I'm just getting dumped on all the time. Then there's some nutrients coming in your situation. Sometimes, sometimes you won't know what God was doing till you get well on the other side of it. Is it always God? No, but he will always use it. You know what I love? He said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Come on, let's say that together. No weapon formed against me will prosper. 
He didn't say it won't prosper. He said it won't prosper formed against you. You remember Goliath came in the came out in the field. I'm going to kill every Israelite if they would bring just one of them out here to fight me. I'll kill them all. And David said, "Who is this?" They said, "He said, well, that's Goliath. He's a giant. He's going to kill everybody. It's going to be crazy." He said, "Well, he ain't killing me." He said, "Because I tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to go down there and fight him. Well, what are you going to fight him with? I'm going to fight him with my slingshot." Think about that for a minute. I'm going to fight him with my slingshot. Yeah, I'm going to fight him with my slingshot. Well, how do you know you're going to kill him? Well, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. And if God delivered me from the lion and the bear, in other words, my testimony is proving that what God has done, he will do again. If he has delivered me from the lion and the bear, I think I can take that loudmouth giant. So he walks out there, pulls a rock out of his out of his little pouch. And, and the Bible says that the giant said, you're just a dog. And I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to feed you to the birds. And David's swinging that sling around. He said, you ain't killing nothing. I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to feed you to the birds. Can I say it differently? Stop listening to your giant and start talking to your giant. Why are we letting them talk to us so much? The devil does everything that he can get away with. Why are we listening and not talking? When he comes and starts reminding you of your past, why don't you remind him of his future? At least I'm not going to be in the lake of fire. Huh? You're not going to kill me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed you to the birds. I'm going to do it right now. And he lets that rock go and that rock flies and it buries in the forehead of that giant. The giant goes out and the Bible says that David didn't pull out his sword. The Bible says he took Goliath's sword off of his body and he cut his head off. In other words, Goliath's sword did prosper. It just didn't prosper when it was formed against David. Let them rattle their saber all they want. It won't work against you. And God's going to use it. A lot of times your battles are God delivering your artillery for your next battle. David used that sword later to defend himself. So literally, uh, uh, the scripture says that we're still being cultivated. We're still being built. Then the apostle Paul goes on to write and he says this. He says, according to the grace which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. Verse 11, for another foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Let me be real clear. Send me an email. Don't send me an email. Don't care if they're not nice. I don't read them. Uh, but here's the deal. There is no other foundation. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, and I mean nobody, gets to the Father except by Him. You can't lay a different foundation. You can't, you can't bring Jesus into your life as a piece of the pie of your life. He is your all in all or He is nothing. See, Jesus is, He asks for an exchange. Somebody say exchange. He wants an exchange, his life for your life. And it doesn't matter how good your life was or how bad your life was before you met him. 100% certain his plans that he specifically has for you that were for you before you were formed in your mother's womb are better than any possible thing you could ever come up with on your own. The foundation is Jesus and he begins to build 
after that. He says, I'm going to build something. See, if you want a good foundation, if you want a good, strong home, the first thing you do is you start digging. You start digging. You say, I got to, I got to get a place to put this foundation. Our church is six years old, a little over six years old now. And I'll never forget when we first started the church, I'll never forget our first service. I had walked the city door to door, everything trying to win people. And if I told y'all all the stories, y'all, y'all, some of them would just blow your mind. Y'all want to hear a crazy story? Never mind. I'll move on. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. All right. So. I called my pastor and I said, pastor, I need a, a, like a place to preach. That's what I know about starting a church. I need a place to preach. That's what I know. He goes, well, call this guy. I call this guy. He said, he said, no, I sold that building. Sorry. I don't have that building anymore. But then he said, but it's funny. You should call me today. I drove by there yesterday because I was curious what they were doing with my building that I sold. And there's a sign on the door that says church for rent. I said, Okay. So I jumped in my pickup truck, drove over, and wrote the guy a check on the spot. I said, I'm going to rent this building. He said, well, put a contract. I said, that's fine. I said, I want to leave you this check. Don't want anybody else renting it. I said, we're in. He said, okay. So I get the deal done, get the contract taken care of, and I'm walking the streets, and I'm about 10 miles away from the building, and I'm walking door to door, knocking on people's door, trying to find out if they know Jesus, trying to introduce myself to everybody, because I thought that's all you did. I thought you just go win the loss. I thought that was how it worked in the kingdom of God. So that's what I'm doing. The Bible says everywhere you put your foot, you can possess it. So I'm walking the city, claiming every scripture, going, I know God, I know you're going to give me the heathen for an inheritance, just like you promised your son, these things and greater shall we do. I thank God that new Heights Church is going to touch the world. I thank God that all the people that are coming to New Heights Church are going to feel your presence. I thank God in the name of Jesus that people are going to be healed, set free, delivered, marriages restored, marriages renewed. I thank God you're going to do it. I'm just praying and walking. Call me old fashioned. I'm just praying, you know. And, and so I'm walking and there's a guy working on an air conditioner. Mufasa. There's a guy working on an air conditioner. I said, hey, how's it going, man? Uh, my name's Brian. Hey, do, are you familiar with Jesus? Oh, I sure am. You know what? Um, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's my savior and, and everything's, you know, good. Matter of fact, I'm a minister. Oh, my goodness gracious, you're a minister. I said, that's awesome. You're a minister. He said to me, he said, yeah, I'm a minister. He said, uh, I, I'm realizing I have to, what's the word? I have to censor some of this. Anyway, I forgot, but... <laughs> He said, he said, I'm a minister too. I said, that's awesome, man. I said, well, praise the Lord. God bless you and your church. And I go walking off and I get about 20 feet away. And all of a sudden I hear, hey, same guy. I turn around and said, what's up? He said, I, I, cause I gave him a, a, a card. He said, this is not your church. I said, the devil is a liar. No, I said, <laughs> I said, yes, it is. I said, we hadn't started yet, but we're going to a week or two. He said, this can't be your church. I said, why is that? He said, this is my church. I'm 10 miles away. He said, I rent this building at that exact time. And I said, apparently not. (laughs) I didn't say that. I said, well, that's real interesting. I said, I have a contract. I said, I'm not sure what happened. So I called the guy I rented it from. And there were some extenuating circumstances that I'm just going to leave there. But he said, don't worry, Pastor Brian. You know, your contract is sure, 100%. Sometimes God is doing things that you could never do. 
him and this guy, him and this guy, or, or myself and this guy, we ended up starting a, a little bit of a relationship, talked to one another, went to a service or two with them, came to a service or two with us. But God can do things that you could never orchestrate. But it starts with a foundation. Somebody say foundation. Our church, we're still working on a foundation. Six years, a foundation. Look at your six-year-old kid. Tell me how mature they are. You don't build something overnight you want to last forever. We're working on this thing. We're building a foundation. What's our foundation? Jesus Christ. You bring your people here and we commit to love them and point them to Christ collectively without envy or bias, without regard to their past experience from a standpoint of what they may or may not believe in the inner intricacies of Christianity or however they were raised or not raised. Because I'm not interested in the dirt. I just want the treasure. And if we have to move dump truck after dump truck of dirt to get a pie pan full of gold, we'll do it and shout about it. Because at the end of this thing, we're all his field. We're all his building. We're all, once you get saved, you're in this process and it, it's, it's the refining process. Verse 12. Don't forget, we only build on the foundation of Jesus. Then the scripture says, if any man builds on this foundation... Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Every person's work will be made manifest. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed. Somebody say revealed. It'll be revealed when everything goes right in your life. (laughs) It'll be revealed because when you become a Christian, you'll never have another bad day. It'll be revealed because when you become a Christian, your husband will always put his boots next to the door instead of in front of the couch. It'll be revealed because you'll never put too much salt in the chicken. It'll be revealed by fire. And the fire will try every man's work and what sort that it is. The foundation is Jesus. And on top of that, we're going to build some things. Some are going to be precious metals. Some are going to be precious stones. Some is going to be wood, hay, and stubble. And if I ask everybody in this room, run out and grab me five pieces of wood. You wouldn't even have to leave the church property and everybody could do it. But if I ask every person to go find me five pieces of gold, it would take some time, some effort, some energy. Because the wood's all over. The hay is all over. The things that don't have much value are all over. Well, why do we build our life on them? I'll tell you why we build our life on them. Because they burn quick. I don't want to just be a burn quick guy. I don't want to burn and fizzle out. I want to be refined. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was three guys that refused to bow to a demon statue. And then they were appointed 
to be rulers over that region in certain parts of the government, not because they refused to bow, but because they went through the fire. There's some stuff, there's some concentrate in your life that only gets burnt out by the fire coming in your life. Well, what's it feel like? Feels hot. Are you serious? I am as serious as could be. You remember Moses in the Old Testament, he led the Israelites out of Egypt after 400 years of captivity. And they got out in the wilderness and they were all thirsty. And God told him, take your stick and hit that rock. And when you hit that rock, water's going to flow out. And he took his stick and hit the rock. And when he struck the stone, water flowed. Let me just say that differently. The stone had to be struck to release what was inside. God didn't hit you. But he may have allowed you to be hit to release what was on the inside of you. The only way that you find out what something has on the inside is to squeeze it. Sometimes we need the fire to come and just get away. Get, get some of the stuff out that blends. It, it blends so neatly with the treasure. It's almost undiscernible. It mixes so well. It weighs the same. It feels the same. To the untrained eye, it might even be the same. But the fire reveals what its real value is. It's in the fire you find out Jesus is there too. When you exchange your life for his life, you stop praying prayers with restrictions. start praying you say wherever you lead that's where I'll go what if he says you're going in the fire my God can deliver me and he will deliver me but if he doesn't I've already decided he gets my whole life not a part of me If you give God a part of your life, you'll get a part of God. But if you give him your whole life, if you say, I'm going to pour myself out, I'm going to try to find the treasure inside of others. I don't understand what I'm going through. Maybe you're going through that pruning season. Maybe God is cutting away some hobbies, some ideas, some thoughts, potentially some people. Chickens don't understand, eagles speak. Chickens don't understand what eagles even talk about. Chickens live and die on an acre and run as soon as the sun goes down back to their coop. When uh, a storm cloud comes, they run. When the winds blow, they duck down. An eagle soars on the same wind that chickens hide from. I'm not saying forever, but there might be a season where you're going to have to find out that you can mount up on eagle's wings, but you're not going to do it living like a chicken. Chickens spend their life pecking the dirt and standing in their own stuff. 
in 10 seconds glide further than a chicken will see in its entire life. He's trying to take you to new heights. He's trying to take you to a whole nother level. Can you let his fire get rid of some of the stuff? You can hold on to everything you want to hold on to. But let me just say this. You live a bitter life. It doesn't hurt the person you're bitter at. But it'll kill you. You don't know what they did. I know what they did to Jesus. And I still read his Bible where he said forgive them. Well. Pastor, you're not going through what I'm going through. If I told you the stuff that I go through, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it. And I'll tell you why I don't talk about it. I don't talk about it because I don't celebrate what the devil's trying to do in my life. I separate, I celebrate the fact that God is faithful. I just don't. That doesn't mean I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. I'm just telling you, I don't celebrate it. If he wants to hit me, if even if he gets a punch in, the only thing I'm gonna say is before long he's gonna hurt his hand because I'm not stopping. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Is that who you are? Is that your heart? Is that your heart, man of God? Is that your heart, woman of God? To stand up alongside the army of God and say, let the winds blow, let the storm rage. I won't be pushed back. My feet are set firmly on the solid rock that is the foundation, Jesus Christ. And I will not be moved. I'm not backing off. I'm not getting pushed around. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to stand on the word of God. Is that your heart? Is that what you, because he said a life for a life. You want to play pity pat with Jesus? That's fine. You'll get the pity pat version of Jesus. But when you stand there and you say, that's it. I'm giving him everything I've got. That's when you find out that heaven's not a joke and he will move on your behalf. Oh, but you don't understand. My kids this, my kids that. When you're folding their socks and underwear, you ought to be prophesying over them. I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this son of mine is going to preach the gospel. He's going to walk the planet and tell people about Jesus. I know that I know that I know that God has promised me to a thousand generations and that generation is no different. I will see the hand of God move in my life because God does not lie. When you're fixing their food, you ought to be pouring a little olive oil in it. Just call it anointing oil. They slip up and go to sleep. You sneak in on them and lay your hand on their head and declare the blessing and favor of God all over their life. And if they still live in your house, you wake them up at 730 and you put them in the house of God. They're 25 years old. They're living in your house, sucking up your AC. They go to church. Well, I don't know if I can get them up. We got some people here who can get them up. <laughs> it's a shift. It's the refiner's fire. Burns away all the dross. Burns away all the things that hold us back and positions us for success. Did you receive anything from the word this morning? Can you give God a big hand of praise? Let's all stand to our feet. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, 
Subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.